It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Podcast number 423 for December 21st, 2014. This week, the 2014 version of Muse makes it a worthwhile choice for many. NASA engineers are working on a program that will improve airport efficiency and might reduce noise. Facebook's new privacy policy rings an alarm in Europe. In short circuits, vending machines are going to change and they might talk to you. NBC offers live streaming with a catch. Alien Skin has released Exposure 7. T-Mobile says if you don't use it, you won't lose it, maybe. And if you're a Russian who wants an iPhone, Nipovelzo. I talked about Muse back in July and said that this relatively new Adobe application impressed me with its capabilities. There were some shortcomings, particularly with regard to text that you might want to use on various instances of a website, desktop, tablet, and phone. There wasn't an easy way to update text across those multiple instances. Well, now there is, and there are several additional new features that might grab your attention as we approach 2015. Back in July, I said that although it might be the perfect tool for a site consisting of 30, 40, or 50 pages that are relatively static, it would be a bad choice for a complex site with hundreds of pages. That's what Dreamweaver is for. But if your site is the type of site that Muse was designed for, and particularly if you're a visual designer who's familiar with InDesign or Photoshop, you will be very happy to have this tool in your kit. Well, Muse seems to be intended for two primary groups. Group 1 is graphic designers who want to create a highly styled website, but who don't want to learn anything about HTML, CSS, or any other coding techniques. And Group 2, anybody who already subscribes to Creative Cloud and wants to create a website without having to learn how to use Dreamweaver. Muse isn't a lightweight Dreamweaver, just as Lightroom isn't a lightweight Photoshop. It's the ideal tool for visually oriented people who don't want to deal with code. There's nothing new about that, but a few new features that were added late in the year could push Muse to the top of your list if you're thinking about creating or updating a website in 2015. Muse creates sites that can be styled differently for computers, tablets, and phones. The gold standard for sites these days involves coding that is both responsive and adaptive, meaning that the website server can determine what kind of device it's sending information to and resize and even reorder the information for that device, even if the user changes the size of the viewport. Responsive adaptive sites require some astonishingly complex coding, and Muse does not meet that gold standard. But it also doesn't require any coding on the user's part. Most users will define two or three broad display categories, desktop and mobile, for example, or maybe three, desktop, tablet, and phone. Creating two categories is faster. Creating three makes the site more versatile. And that brings me to the first of the new features, called synchronized text. Dreamweaver has library items. When the user changes text in one of these, the changes are pushed out to all pages in the site that use the library item. 
This feature was lacking in Muse and having to update the same text in multiple locations across three different versions, desktop, mobile, and phone, was really not a lot of fun. The synchronized text feature goes a long way toward resolving the issue. Users can define sections of text and insert them into any location. Changing the text in one location changes it in all other locations. The text has no attributes applied so that the formatting can differ from one location to another. You'll see an image on the TechBiter Worldwide website in which I have added the words call me and a phone number. And I'd like to put this on all of the main pages of the website. You do this by first adding the text to what's called the content panel. And then you add it from the content panel to other locations. So I added the words call me and the phone number to the tablet and the phone versions of the website. After that, I formatted the text, and the most significant difference was on the phone version of the site. There, I made the phone number a lot larger, and I put call me in a different typeface and actually moved it below the number. Oh, but then I realized that the number I had put in, ending with 5555, actually should end with 1234. So I changed the tablet page, and the change was immediately reflected on the desktop and phone pages. The only significant downside to the synchronized text feature is that you're unable to change the formatting of individual words. The entire piece of synchronized text can be large, bold, and purple in one location, small, italic, and green in another. But if you attempt to make one word bold in the instance that's been formatted with italics, the entire section will be bold. Now I can understand how this would be a world-class puzzle for Adobe's developers to sort out. Synchronizing text across multiple locations, allowing local formatting overrides, and then permitting individual formatting overrides to the overrides. I have faith. They'll probably work out how to do this, and we'll see the capability in a later version, just not now. I mentioned earlier that Muse doesn't create sites that are both adaptive and responsive. What I mean by that is that if you visit a site with a desktop computer, you'll see the main site. If you visit with a phone, you'll see the phone site. If you visit with a tablet, you'll see the tablet site. A responsive adaptive site, as you'll see with TechBiter Worldwide in 2015, will adjust the content if the user changes the size of the viewing window. Still, the ability to serve files that have been optimized for a specific viewing size goes a long way toward providing a great experience for visitors. Another addition to the latest version is support for scalable vector graphics. The SVG file format is used by applications such as Adobe Illustrator, and all modern web browsers, Mozilla Firefox, Internet Explorer, Google Chrome, Opera, and Safari, have at least some degree of SVG rendering support. For Internet Explorer, though, it means at least version 9. Firefox has supported the format for nearly 10 years. WebKit browsers, such as Safari and Chrome, have supported SVG since 2006. Adobe Muse now supports scalable vector graphics format. You can leverage the SVG format to create logos or icons or background and browser fills, and you can place those images directly on the web page canvas within Adobe Muse. The primary advantages the SVG format provides include smaller file size and the ability to view larger versions of the image in high quality. Because older browsers, particularly Internet Explorer version 8 and before, don't support the format, many designers have been reluctant to use these files. 
This version of Muse includes direct support for SVG, and it also converts the files to older formats for those browsers that don't support SVG. The new version of Muse also supports secure FTP so that users can publish to a hosting provider more securely. The primary advantage of SFTP for a website designer occurs during the presentation of credentials. That's your login name and password. With plain FTP, that information is passed in plain text across the public internet. Not a good idea. SFTP ensures that your credentials are transmitted securely. Find and replace has also found its way to Muse. The find command can search for words or phrases and then replace that text across all pages while retaining the applied font, font size, and styles. Check out my updated test website. You'll find links to the desktop version, the tablet version, and the phone version. And because this is an update of Muse, there's no new cat rating. If you'd like to learn more about it, just follow the link on the TechBiter Worldwide website to the Adobe website. According to the National Aeronautics and Space Agency, engineers are working on new computer software that could improve flight efficiency and reduce the environmental impact of aircraft near airports. Airborne Spacing for Terminal Arrival Routes, or ASTAR, will give pilots precise speed information and guidance so that planes can be spaced more efficiently. NASA says this would allow pilots to use a follow-the-leader approach to their destination airport. Boeing is testing the software now on what's called the Eco Demonstrator 787. The test airplane is being used to evaluate lots of new technologies. NASA says the objective of the program involves reducing flight path deviations, allowing more efficient use of existing airspace, and reducing noise over communities that are around airports. NASA Associate Administrator for Aeronautics Research, Jaywan Shin, says that ASTAR represents the first of several inventive technologies that NASA's aeronautical innovators are working on. It'll be tested with the help of the Eco Demonstrator airplanes. During the flight test, the Eco Demonstrator follows another airplane, and a NASA engineer runs ASTAR on a laptop. ASTAR computes and displays the speed required to follow safely behind the lead airplane, and the engineer provides that information to the pilots. The ASTAR experiment is the first of several NASA tests flying aboard the Eco Demonstrator test airplanes. In 2015, NASA engineers will also evaluate active flow control technologies on the aircraft's tail. The intent is to determine whether tail designs can be altered to reduce drag. A second test planned for next year will evaluate the effectiveness of coatings applied to the leading edge of a wing to reduce the accumulation of insect residue. Think bugs on a windshield. Those bugs increase turbulence. If you'd like more information about the program, check NASA's website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. Dutch government is examining Facebook's privacy policy to determine whether it violates any laws in Holland. Facebook announced updates to its policies in November and said they'll go into effect on January 1st. The new policy statement attempts to make the dense legalese more readable, and it also reveals that Facebook claims the right to use any information posted by any user 
in public posts or messages to sell advertising. The Dutch privacy regulator has asked Facebook to delay implementing the new policy pending review. Facebook, however, says that it believes its policies comply with all applicable Dutch rules that deal with data protection and how information can be used. Facebook has been working with Ireland's privacy regulator because non-U.S. operations are managed by the international headquarters in Dublin. The company says that it's the responsibility of the Irish Data Protection Commissioner to confirm compliance with the European Union's Data Protection Directive. In short circuits, change is inevitable, except from this machine. That's a message the Jokers occasionally tape to vending machines. But an article in Forbes says that just about everything we take for granted about these ubiquitous appliances will experience radical change soon. The article by Derek Klobuker, which was first published on SAP Business Trends, says we'll soon begin seeing smart vending machines that may recognize repeat customers' faces and greet them by name. You'll be able to use a QR code or a near-field communication device to pay. Most current smartphones already have NFC technology built in, so you won't need cash or credit cards. These machines will be able to analyze past purchases and then predict what products customers might like, monitor their own inventory, and alert a person when stock runs low, and a lot more. Many fast food restaurants that sell Coke products and allow customers to fill their own drink containers already have machines that can stock dozens of flavors of soft drinks and dispense them on demand. New vending machines may also protect themselves. Klobuker writes that an ATM-style video surveillance guards vending machines against vandalism and theft, according to Vending Times, and these systems have already led to some arrests. New-style vending machines could also display nutritional information on a screen, which would allow them to comply with upcoming rules that require the posting of such information. James Windsor, the CEO of vending machine manufacturer AVT, says machines would also be able to refuse to sell a certain product based on a shopper's age, medical record, dietary requirements, or purchase history. You can read the full article. Kind of an interesting one. You'll find it on the Forbes website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. National Broadcasting Company says it will make more of its content available online. Other networks have sold online plans to subscribers, but NBC is taking a different approach. You won't be able to use the service unless you already subscribe to a cable television service and can prove it to NBC's satisfaction. Initially, the online offerings are only for desktop and notebook systems. NBC will add support for mobile devices next year. NBC is the last of the big networks to make its content available via live streaming online. The network did sign up for the TV Everywhere initiative several years ago, but progress there has been pretty slow. Instead of using the industry term for the service, TV Everywhere, NBC says it's going to position its live streaming as Watch TV Without the TV. NBC says it'll also make content from Bravo and Telemundo available on Microsoft's Xbox One.
Alien Skin has updated its popular exposure product with new features that allow for non-destructive editing of raw images. This version also has some new film emulation presets and some extra textures. I will have a full review of Exposure 7 in January, but there are photographers who always update their Alien Skin applications. They'll want to know about this right now. Exposure 7 operates as a plug-in for Adobe Lightroom and Photoshop, but it can also be used as a standalone application. In addition to support for raw formats, Exposure 7 has built-in folder and file browsing, and that allows users to open photos individually or in batches. The first versions of Exposure were intended to emulate the look of various film types, including many that had been discontinued. That emphasis has continued through the years. Version 7 includes several new looks, Kodak Porta 160, 400, and 800, Kodak Gold 200 and 400, Fuji Pro 800Z and Sensia Extra 400 and 800. New black and white filters include Ilford XP 400, Kodak black and white 400CN, and TMAX 400. The full version sells for $150, and upgrades from previous versions are priced at $70. If you have a cellular data plan with a smartphone, you're used to the process of starting with a clean slate once a month. Any leftovers are dropped at the end of the period. But now T-Mobile says it's going to allow customers to carry over any unused data capacity. Those who know they will use more than their usual amount of data during vacation, for example, could budget their usage in months leading up to the vacation so they won't be hit with extra fees. T-Mobile says that users will be able to keep the extra data for up to a year. But, of course, there is a catch. If you're somebody like me who buys the smallest possible data plan because you're usually within range of a Wi-Fi signal and rarely need the cellular data even when you're not, you're out of luck. It applies only to users who have signed up for a T-Mobile Simple Choice plan with at least 3 gigabytes and a smartphone or 1 gigabyte and a tablet. If you're in one of those plans, you'll see a 10-gigabyte one-time starter allotment next month. T-Mobile is the fourth-largest wireless carrier in the U.S., and it has managed to shake up the big three with some aggressive moves that run counter to standard industry practices, replacing two-year contracts with installment plans for expensive phone models and allowing more frequent hardware updates. But those plans also rarely appeal to those of us who live near the bottom of the smartphone food chain. Falling oil prices and sanctions resulting from Russia's incursion into Ukraine are taking their toll on the ruble. The ruble has lost half of its value against the dollar. And now Apple has halted online sales of its products in Russia as the ruble dropped nearly 20% this week. An Apple spokesperson said that the online store in Russia is not available at this time and Apple is reviewing its pricing. Last month, Apple increased prices by amounts up to 25% to deal with the ruble's fluctuations, but change is now so rapid that even automated systems are having trouble keeping up. Apple has no retail stores in Russia, but it does sell hardware there via its website, and Apple products are sold by other retailers. The company was slow to adjust prices as the value of the ruble fell, 
and made no price changes until November. As a result of that, tourists from other countries in Europe bought iPhones in Russia because that's where they could obtain the lowest possible price. Hey, look at this. How often do you find an economics report on TechBiter worldwide? This could be a first. At midweek, the ruble gained a bit of strength, but volatility remains because the ruble has come under heavy pressure. The Russian central bank increased interest rates by an uncommonly large amount, but that change had little effect on the ruble's value. Russians went through a similar process in the late 1990s. At that time, the value of the ruble collapsed in less than a week. Oh, by the way, this is the final program for 2014. Next week, I'll be moving things around so that the new 2015 format will be fully in place for the first program of the new year. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the weekly podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. All music on TechBiter Worldwide is licensed under the Creative Commons, and information about performers is on the website www.techbiter.com I'm Bill Blinn and if you'd like you can also send me a message from the website thanks for listening I look forward to talking with you again in a week